Hi, and welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health, and emotional intelligence. I'm Suk Pabial, your host. So first of all, forgive me for not posting this over the weekend. I was on a break with the family, skiing, and it was a, a good break to have. I'm glad to have had the time off, and now I'm back to it. So in today's episode, what I'd like to talk about are two things. One is, what is positive psychology not about? And the second one is, what is the third place and why should you think about it? So the first piece then is, what is positive psychology not about? And in order to answer that, I'm going to start from a different place, which is the history of what it is. Partly, which I covered in the first episode, where Martin Seligman, when he set out to study positive psychology, it was with a focus on how do we help people to focus more on their strengths, and how do we help people to do that who are just kind of your regular, every everyday Joe Public, as is the term. And in thinking about that, it's around helping just the everyday person think more about, more purposefully about, how can they thrive? How can they live well? Which is a great set of thoughts to have, and it's a great set of awareness to try and bring for people. And I guess that's where the question of what is it not about can also help us to think more clearly about what it is about then. So what it's not about is, it's not just about positive thinking, which is where... There's an unfortunate just marrying of the words of positive psychology and positive thinking in that they both share the first same part, which is which is um, not the best place for the field to have, be able to come from. Where, where positive thinking plays a part is that it can help people to think through a situation and think of alternatives which may not be about the negatives or about yeah, reality in some cases. And it also may help them to think about what could be, what is hopeful. And it's from it's through positive thinking that we are able to have things like hope and optimism. And those are important hum, human qualities to have. And so what this is... Uh, and then when, when you also think about what it can enable... You know, I quite like positive thinking... And that's partly because I, I I choose to want to see how things can be better. That hope and optimism is something which kind of runs through me. And so when I talk to people, I don't just say positive things for the sake of saying them. I try to articulate them and express them in a way which helps people to see that there are different ways that we can uh, experience things. Which may be in the, which can be in the positive. It's it does have limitations. Positive thinking does have limitations. Its limitations are around. It can really only help if you're in a situation where you want to be able to get to an outcome, and you don't want to be held back by negative thinking. And it is the uh, the way forward is something which is quite apparent and obvious. 
and you also want to build hope and optimism around it. Where it starts to fail is when you have something which is quite challenging or quite strategic or quite advanced in what you have to be able to do. Positive thinking stops playing, stops being an enabler then and it, it can act as more of a deterrent because people become frustrated and annoyed that they don't have the right kind of details they need to understand how to achieve the outcome. So where positive thinking has that limitation is that if it doesn't help someone to see how the outcome can be achieved, then it just becomes uh, akin to naive thinking, which is not a great place to be. And you don't want that to happen either. You don't want people to think that you're a naive person because you haven't thought through a, uh, the right kind of solution or the right kind of approach to get somewhere. So what you need to do in that situation is uh, is actually not do positive thinking and just put some better thinking around. So how do we analyse the situation? How do we understand it? What are the different options that we can pursue in order to get to a, an outcome? And through that, you help people to understand that there is a path, there's a, a strategy, a plan, whatever you want to call it, and through that process, you, you can get to an outcome, whatever that outcome may be desired to be. So some practical ways to help think about that. If you've broken your bone, as an example, you can't positively think your way out of that. And suddenly you're going to feel better and start to use your broken limb because you just want it to be better. That's just not going to happen, you know. It's when people say things like, if you're feeling ill... Uh, and they say things like, if you think you're going to be better, you'll get better quicker. There's an element of believability about that. But the reality is that you also need to make sure that you're doing the right things to actually heal well and to recover well. You can't just get better just because you're thinking it. And, you know, it gets, it, there's been many cases, I wouldn't say cases as such, but many instances where people say things like, with people who have quite severe illnesses, they say things like, but they're just not thinking positively enough. Well, if the situation is quite a difficult one and challenging one, it's really difficult to be positive about that because you're trying to just be well and healthy. Or if not healthy, just trying to stop being ill and get to a place of recovery. No level of positive thinking is going to necessarily help with that. And plus, there's not really been any kind of academic research into that to be able to say that one can lead to the other. At best, it's kind of a distant <laughs> distant relative of a correlation. You know, it's not even there uh, in, in terms of the research that's out there. What we know instead is that if we pay attention to how how we approach those challenges and how we approach those problems and build in the right sets of activities that help us to to not only think well but act well and to do well we are then more likely to have a better outcome you're more likely to have a better outcome because you've built in several sets of activities and measures to help you be well and the positive thinking is only just one element of that and so this is where we just start to, start to need to place some caution around how we think we understand the term positive thinking 
and also what we think it can enable for us to do. I'm going to jump back the other way for a second and start talk and, and just talk for a moment around there the moments where it can be helpful, right? So things like if you're about to take an exam, if you're taking, you know, if you're an athlete and you're going to start doing your uh, tournament or the competition you're in, or you've got a project you want to get started on, you know, any and all of those situations, it is the right thing to think positively. And I'm not saying you shouldn't think positively. What I'm trying to explain here is that there are certain places where positive thinking can be a real enabler and it can really help. There are other times where it's just not the right approach to take. So some other things around that as well that we just need to be mindful of is at the top of the podcast, I talk about how I want to talk more about other topics as well. And mental health is one of those. And we need to be careful when we talk about people who uh, if we know people who are suffering from mental health challenges, that we don't dismiss their conditions by saying they're not thinking positively enough. When we do that, when I hear those things being said about people who are suffering from mental health challenges, it really uh, makes me alert to how to how misunderstood mental health is for people. Because what they're trying to say is that they they all it must just be your thinking process, and if it's your thinking process, then it must be a rational process. And if that's the case, all you need to do is just change the way you're thinking. And if you change the way you're thinking, you can come out of the anxiety or the depression or the or the mental health challenge that you're facing. And what we need to do is build more empathy around. And also more understanding and knowledge around this is what these conditions are. This is how they're manifesting people. And when that happens, this is how they experience them. And so by doing that, by understanding that, we're helping people to then understand, well, how do I help you be better then? And also the other thing that we do very easily is that we liken mental health challenges to physical health challenges. And the two are just not comparable in that way. In most instances, we can explain physical health problems and we can find solutions to them because we've had centuries of practice around medicine, around improving people's health to help us to know and uh, through very clear evidence-based practice, understand what things will help improve a person's health and their recovery and what won't. It is quite a logical process and in most instances we can help people get better and help them live a regular normal life. Obviously that looks differently for everybody. In the main that can happen and it does happen. Where people often then make that false comparison with mental health is that if we can do that with physical health, we must just be able to do the same with mental health, where we can help, uh, where we can just say to people, it is your thinking process that is at fault, and therefore you just need to correct it. And in correcting it, all you need to do is just think positively. And if you do that, you will just become better, and you will overcome your mental health challenge. What we've been able to understand in recent times, and by recent times I mean... 
I, I and I'm I haven't studied this closely enough to know it dates. I'm going to say the last thirty years. It is probably it could possibly be longer than that. Where the the world of pharmacology and brain science and neuroscience has helped us to really understand much more around the effects of medicine and uh, our mental states and uh, and what, how it can elevate our moods as well as me- uh, regulate our moods. It can help bring on sleep. It can help to uh, increase appetite. And there, there are many different things that, that di- the different medicines out there can help with. And through that level of understanding that we have, we know quite clearly that in, in many situations we can provide people with a medical intervention, uh, sorry, a medicinal intervention, which can help somebody who's facing mental health challenges to find a level of stability that they need to be able to carry on as best as they can with uh, what we would norm, what we would might, what we might term normal life. And when you start to understand that that is one of the things that can help, as well as uh, the regular self-care activities that a person can do, and the level of support available to them, you really start to understand that mental health challenges are not as simple as just being able to think positively about a situation or your personal state in order to improve it. Because that's just not how mental health tends to work. It tends to, when when people face, and I'm, I'm going to do a broad brush stroke here, which uh, I know can be unhelpful in, in certain instances. I hope to be able to illustrate a point by doing this. That through support networks, through professional help with counsellors and therapists, through self-awareness and self-understanding, and uh, through uh, also help with uh, psychiatrists and um, getting the right kind of medicinal help, uh, as well as self-care activities, as well as being able to understand what is happening with the body and how it works with the mind. That level of knowledge and understanding takes time for individuals, for the people around them, for the people they have to try and communicate that to. It's quite a thing. And so that is also, I think, one of the places where we can place a limitation on positive thinking because it just doesn't help people to get to a better place. And it reinforces a set of stigma and negative uh, perceptions that people have of mental health, where people just have, uh, where they they claim things that, like they had... a a certain episode where in their life where they didn't feel happy and they didn't feel positive and they felt down and depressed about stuff. And then they decided at some certain point that enough was enough or someone said to them, you just need to snap out of it or you're just not thinking positively enough. And they made the conscious decision to change the way they were thinking. And then suddenly they were better, that they felt better about themselves, people around them. And there was a a miraculous kind of recovery. That's kind of often how it's by people who want to dismiss the impact that mental health can have on a person's life. And I guess that's one of the things which I I often struggle with as well when I read about people in 
public life who and not just um, when I say public life I don't mean um, by politicians and what have you I normally mean by um, certain celebrities as well as uh, people who have a, a wide social media presence that they try to belittle uh, the experience that people have when they face the mental health challenges and they are speaking to in their audience in a way which their audience can get riled up about the same types of things as well and reinforce the wrong messages around how people actually deal with their mental health challenges when they have them. And so positive thinking is one of those things that they often tout is, well, they're just not thinking positively enough there. And if they did, they wouldn't be in this situation. And they they get wrapped up in this uh, vicious cycle of arguments of, you're not thinking positively, therefore you're not feeling well, and therefore your mental health is poor, and that just repeats itself, which is a distortion, complete distortion of, of how things work. And what I am hoping I'm doing here by discussing things around this topic in particular is that it helps to be able to highlight where positive thinking can be of help and also where it has its limitations. And then when we think about the topic of positive psychology then, and if you think back to the the, the way I described it, I'm hopeful that what I'm being able to do here is help to highlight how positive thinking can be an element of what positive psychology works towards, but it is definitely not part and parcel of the same thing. So that's one thing I, I wanted to be able to discuss in today's podcast. The other piece that sits around that is what are some of the other things that positive psychology is not about? So clearly I've, we've gone through and discussed quite in some detail what positive what positive thinking is and isn't in relation to the topic of positive psychology. The other things as well is that sometimes people say that it is um, it takes its leanings or uh, insights and um, theory from the uh, world of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. That's also not true. There are certain elements which may be similar and uh, people may think that that one is therefore the same as the other. They're not. They're quite distinct and different practices. And also... Um, you'll start to, uh, hopefully through the podcast, what I'll also be able to do is start to share better thinking and research about topics that are out there. And the topic of NLP just does not have a very solid evidence research base from which to be able to operate from. And I know that can present quite a challenge to a lot of people because they show and they are able to make their case for how it has brought about change in people. Unfortunately, we've just never seen that actually bear out in any kind of meaningful way around proper research into the theory, into its replicability, into how people take it, move it forward, develop the theory and do other things that you might be able to do within other social sciences. It's not even a social science. And so... When um, when the comparison there is made, I'm always cautious as well, because they're just not the same thing. The other piece that people often uh, question me around is, if 
it, when we're talking about positive psychology, and this is also links in with the positive thinking piece, is does it mean that we dismiss reality? And does it mean that we only think about things in the positive, only think about strengths, only think about hope and optimism as important aspects? The answer to that is quite simple, is that if you are dismissing reality and if you're dismissing that sometimes there are very hard choices in front of us, you're not helping yourself at all. You are not cultivating a healthy mindset in any kind of way. And instead, what you're doing is you're, you're just trying to find a way to not accept what is the current situation in order to get to an outcome and not even considering the impact that your actions may have on other people. That's definitely not what positive psychology is about. Positive psychology is very much around taking what's around you and being able to look at nearly every aspect of your life. And I say nearly because we can't know all aspects of our lives, uh, especially the ones where sometimes there are things which we may be hiding from. And so it's around taking all, uh, as many aspects of our lives as we can and considering how are all those different things working well for me. And in order to be able to answer that question, you have to answer the question of, well, what's not working well? Because it's in the understanding and the um, question and the answers that you arrive at in knowing what's not working well, that you are able to step forward and decide, well, in order to be better, in order for me to be my best self, I need for these things to happen. Those things may be some quite hard decisions that you have to make. It could be that you have to make certain financial choices, or it could be that you have to make certain relationship choices, or it could be that you have to make some friendship choices, or work choices. Many, many different aspects. And in thinking about things purposefully in those ways, what you do is you cultivate an attitude of, I can be better, I can be my best self. In order for that to happen, I need to not be doing certain other things. And that's a certain set of thinking around which we don't tend to spend time around because we're not told it's okay to do that. Not really. Some people are clever enough and they're insightful enough to, to understand that quite easily. In the main, people don't tend to put that level of thought into the actions and the choices they have. They tend to do them because most other people are doing them. Uh, some examples are things like, I go to the, uh, most people will go to the gym because they see that other people are doing it and they think, well, if they're doing it and they say that they feel the benefits of it, I should probably go along and I, sh I, I might feel the benefits of it as well. Instead of asking the question of, what is the way I want to be able to be physically healthy? And when you start from that position, your options become multitude then. And that's a better way to be able to question what you want to achieve. And that's what positive psychology helps us to think about is, how can we ask those questions that lead us to build on our strengths, that we are allowed to think about our weaknesses, and we are allowed to think about the things that are not working well for us. And then we are able to ask those questions of, so how do I correct that? Is that something I can do with somebody else? 
If it's a relationship challenge, is that something my partner is willing to do with me? If it's a financial issue, is it something that I know that I have the capability to be able to do? If it's a friendship issue, do I understand that I can make those choices about how I spend time with my friends? There are many, many different aspects and many different questions that we can ask about what that correction and what that change of direction and behavior looks like. And also the impact that that has on yourself as well as other people. Another aspect of that and the moment, the, the reason I hesitated for a moment there as well is because part of this is also around how do we share that with other people as well and let them know this is the thinking process I'm going through. These are the potential decisions I might be considering to have to make. And the way I express that, the way I let you know about that might impact the way that you feel about that as the other person. That can be quite a challenge because that that requires you to have to know and gone through that thinking process yourself. So there's a whole set of questions here which come around. And for me, it's much more around the purposeful choices that we can make that help us to thrive, that help us to be the best version of ourselves. And that that type of attitude, that type of thinking approach to what this enables means that you have the potential to be able to feel better about yourself in the long run. You will uh, more likely to have a better physical health aspect, a better mental health aspect. And there's no by no means that this is a clear cut, do this, that will happen. It's more around you're doing things to help yourself be your best self. And what that means is that it means stop doing the things that are not helpful to you, which might sound quite simplistic, but that takes some hard questions because the questions are not just, well, what's not working well, it's how do I correct that in a way which is helpful to me and means that I get to the the right end place that I'd like to get to. And I use the word end place there and I, I use the wrong word because none of this is about an end place. Nearly all of this is around a continual set of activities. And as we grow, as we live, as we grow older, we will learn there are different ways to be able to do lots of those things. So I hope in that in this initial piece of this podcast, uh, today's episode, that in helping to be able to think about and define more clearly what positive psychology is and what it isn't, it can really help us to think about those purposeful actions and how we build those strengths and how we help to think about what's going well. And also understanding that it's in facing reality and in thinking about what's not working well that we're able to correct ourselves and our actions and improve the decisions that we make. So the last piece that I'd like to talk about in today's episode is what's your third place and why should you think about what that is? In the first episode, I spoke about how when we go to work and when we have our home lives, they tend to be our first and second places. Whichever way they, whichever place they come in is of little consequence. It's more that they tend to occupy most of our time. We go to work because in the main we have to go to work because we have to earn a living in order to be able to do most of the daily things that we want to be able to do. And uh, and through that is also the process of 
we have to get skilled at doing the job. We have to learn how to do many things around the work that is required of us. We have to build those work relationships. If you're in a management and leadership position, you have to learn how to do that as well. If you are learning how to do technical work, then there's always more things to be able to do around uh, the technical aspects of work because technology enables us to be able to do and learn more as well. And, and so there's just constantly stuff there to be able to do at work, which takes up a lot of our time and energy and the thinking process. As well as that, often in the workplace, we are having to make sure that we are maintaining our life as well as we can. So if there's ever any, any negative impact on our lives through work, that can also take time as well to work itself through and to figure out how do we get out of that? How do we get to a better situation? Particularly in the current climate, where we're learning more and more that there are quite clear cases of men attacking and harassing women sexually, and that it's been a behaviour which is both hidden and also blatant and overt. And in many cases, it goes unreported because there's a very clear imbalance of power against women that men take advantage of in the main. And so we have to we have to be cognizant of these things. We have to be aware of these things that if they're, if they're happening in the workplace and people don't know how to address those and they don't know how to report them in the right way or they don't know how to support others who might be experiencing those things, it takes significant amounts of time and energy to be able to find a way to for that to be a better situation. And sometimes, unfortunately, that means it can take years before you get to an outcome. And even then, it's not always guaranteed. So we have to be mindful that the work environment does take a lot of our time and energy. Then we also think about the home environment as well. And when we think about the home environment, we can think about that in a number of ways. It doesn't just have to mean the typical family situation that you might be going home to. It could just be that you're going to your apartment and your or home house and it's just you by yourself. What I mean by the home environment is that we come home to, to be at home. And when we do that, we tend to have to do also certain things in order to maintain the, how, the place we live in as well as supporting others who might be around us as well. So particularly if you have a family, then clearly your partner and your children will take up a, uh, a significant amount of your time, as they should. It's absolutely the right things to be involved in to make sure you're cultivating the right sets of behaviours at home so that everyone is able to be well, think well, and act well with each other. In addition to that, I also include things like your friendships, your relationships, uh, your um, and, and, and any kind of um, activities that involve those sets of people. I would also say that that's a, a clear aspect of what the home environment can involve as well. And when we when we do that, then we start to also realise that, and we, we already know this, that a lot of our time is spent just doing those two sets of activities. So one other thing then to think about is how do we allow ourselves a third place? And this question is often a, one which I spend time on when I talk about it because it can be something that is not apparent to people immediately. 
where you don't realize that you can and are allowed to have time for yourself, where you are allowed to explore and engage in an activity, which is only for you. It doesn't have to involve anybody else. And it can be something which is nourishing and rejuvenates you. So as I've been describing that in in that way, I wonder what that gets you thinking. I wonder what that gets you considering about, well, where is your third place? Do you even have a third place? And people will often come back and say to me things like, uh, well, what about when I go on holiday? And what I like to consider there is that a holiday is often termed as a break. It's often termed as, I'm going on that holiday in order to be able to Um, the phrase we often use is escape from reality. And so if that's the case, that's not really what the third place can be, is because you're going to enjoy and do a whole set of other activities, which you don't ordinarily get time to do, which which, which can be and can help you to feel good about yourself, but may not have that outcome. And it may not have that outcome because... There may be things that happen on the holiday that you don't that you can't account for, things like falling ill or being robbed or having delays to excursions or to flights and many other things which if those things happen and go wrong and they tend to, it means that you haven't really experienced it in as joyful a way as you might want to be able to. Uh, other things that people tend to ask me is things like, um, what about um, if you go drinking with your friends? And again, then my, my mind comes to, or rather my thinking comes to, it doesn't feel like that's the third place equivalent either, because you're engaging in an activity which is not helpful or healthy to you in your body. It can have a ne- very negative outcome. And so we, and the negative outcome in this instance is uh, alcohol ultimately isn't a great thing for the body. And so it's not a good activity to think of as this is my third place activity. So what, what kind of things can it be? That's the, that's a hard question to answer. And instead, what I tend to think of is, There are certain things that come under what a third place activity should include. And if you start to think about those things, and I'll describe them in a moment, you start to have a better understanding of what you should be aiming for, I think. So the kind of things that should fall under a third place activity are when you do it, it's something you do and you're free of judgment. And that freedom of judgment is from anybody, yourself, from others, from an instructor, a teacher, it doesn't matter who, you're, just, you're not being judged for the activity. It should be an activity which is not a harmful activity to you or to anybody else. There should be something around the activity that when you engage in it, you completely lose yourself in the activity. And when you come out of it, however long that time period is that you're involved in doing it, you feel nourished. You feel rejuvenated in yourself around stuff. And that's a really strong place to be able to come from. That when you are in that time and the time just flows and you've lost that sense of time, you don't mind at all. You come out of it thinking, well, 
however long I spent doing that, that was a great use of my time. And I'm really pleased that I was able to do that. And it's something where it's around just allowing yourself to be yourself. Where you don't have to pretend or have to wear a face of someone else or in another situation or pretending to be this person or that person. It's just you and you are your best self in that situation. And when I think about this for myself, it took me a really long time to think this one through and figure out what is my third place. And the reason that I've been delayed in this episode in particular is because I was doing my third place activity over the last few days when I went skiing with my family. Skiing for me is a wonderful, joyful activity because I get to spend time going down slopes and I'm not particularly fussed about doing hard runs or red runs or black runs. Um, For those of you who don't know, those tend to be the harder levels of skiing. It is much more around just having the open space, the snow beneath my skis, the fresh air, the absolute beautiful vistas that are available to you. And just, it, it, it can be hard for me to describe the sense of when you're skiing down and you've got the soft snow and you're just gently moving around, it's an amazing feeling. And it's, it's a quite a privileged one. So I totally appreciate that not everyone can do it. And I also feel that. Um, and I also feel very honoured to be able to do that. And I really enjoyed about it. And over the last couple of years when I've been going with my family and I've been going out with my sons and my daughter and it's been really fun to watch them and learn their skills and see how they're developing and where they're taking themselves as well. And it's just become such a a rich, nourishing environment for me personally, that I just absolutely do all of those things I described where I lose myself. The time just absolutely goes and I'm thoroughly overjoyed that the time has gone because I really enjoyed spending that time in that way. And not just that, I also, I don't feel the judgment of others because if I fall or if I don't, or if I go fast or slow, it makes no difference to me or to anybody else because it's my activity. I'm not doing it for anybody else's enjoyment. I'm doing it for my own enjoyment. And then when I realised that skiing is what I would call my true third place, and the reason I use the word true there is that it is the it is the actual place where place and or space that when I do that, it is a genuinely nourishing, engaging experience. But I can't do that all the time. It's not easy thing to do all year round. And it's quite an expensive thing to do as well. So it can only come in short bursts. So if that's true, and it is true, then what else can I be doing on a regular basis to be able to help me in, um, have that feeling of nourishment, engagement, and have that third space in a regular space? And what I also then realised is that one of the things I enjoy doing is writing and blogging. And the reason I enjoy doing that is because of those things that I mentioned um, around what does a third place include. And not just that, uh, that the writing and the blogging allows me to explore my thinking and explore my the work that I do and the things I want to express in a way that I, I can't do normally. And I don't, and it's my safe space to be able to do that. 
And so often when I write, it's more about just figuring things out in my own head and expressing them in a certain way. And it's very rare that I'm writing to be able to gain some kind of comment from anybody in particular. Certainly my writing has progressed to be able to be of a certain type of um, provocation in some instances, as well as progression progression of thinking. And I think that's just a natural part of what happens when you write in an open space. So I found that that's become a, a third space for me over years, over the recent years as well, where I can do that for myself. And then the uh, and then I, I've also realised that one other space where I can do that is when I'm being physically active. Now I'm being quite careful about my words here. It's not when I just go to the gym because I'm not a regular gym goer. It's not when uh, and so because of that. I've had to find very many different ways. And over the years, I've tried lots of things. Very many different ways that I can be physically active. Because I've always in, I've always understood about myself that I know I need to be a physically active person. Otherwise, I'm quite easily going to be a lazy kind of guy. Because I will quite easily just sit there and not do a thing for a long time. And that's just not a great place to be. Uh, and I know that I recognize that it's just not a healthy attitude and not a healthy approach to most things. So I try to avoid that by ensuring that I'm maintaining a certain level of physical activity. And when I do that, that's that's uh, one of the things which I, I kind of place up there and say, right, as long as I'm being physically active and I'm doing it at least two or three times a week, then I know I'm in the right place of that's a good thing and that's going to keep me healthy. What I tend not to try and do is uh, restrict what that has to be. And I'm very open to make to finding the right things that work for the right situation that I'm in. So currently, with uh, this new, uh, with my relatively new job that I'm in, and the, uh, the commute that that involves, it means that I'm having to adjust my physical activities through my lunch times, which is... Uh, which works really well because uh, I'm in a fortunate position that the organisation has a very good well-being approach and strategy where they're very welcoming of people to be able to do that. So I've taken full advantage and I'm doing at least uh, two current activities during lunch times in a week, which I'm really happy about. One is Pilates and one is swimming. I'm not really a Pilates kind of guy. I'm doing it because I know of the physical benefits it can help me with. I really enjoy swimming, and so I'm very happy that I'm able to do that. I hope what I've been able to do here in talking about the third place is to start to get you to question, as listeners and as people who want to may, maybe want to be able to think about this in other ways, is what does that mean for you? Where does that take you in your thinking? And don't forget that you don't have to arrive at an answer straight away. And the answer shouldn't just be a, a, a simple, oh, well, it has to be this. It might be a number of things. And it may also involve you having to talk to other people who know you really well to be able to help you understand what the benefits of that bring you, what you are like when you've done that kind of activity, how it helps you be the best person you can be. And that's a good set of questions and good set of conversations to be able to have with 
the right people that are around you. So I think that's it for today's episode. Thanks very much for listening. We've covered quite a bit. And if there's anything that you'd like to comment on, then please do. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe yet to the podcast, then I obviously encourage that. And from this Saturday, I'm hopeful that I will be able to get back to the regular weekend broadcast. Thank you very much, folks. Hope you have a good week.